John in prison, his prophetic nemesis, so to speak, was going to be out of the way. So he's going to be taken care of, so to speak. Perhaps in his thinking, considered, I don't have to worry about some other kingdom. All I need to worry about is the Roman Empire, the Roman kingdom. That's the only one there is, and that's the only one they ever will be. No kingdom could prepare to travel back and forth. And it would after John was put in the prison, that the people of God would be living once again with this ambiguity. This ambiguity where they were waiting for something to happen. But the reality is that John was the one who was pointing to Jesus. That John was the one that needed to come before Jesus. That once John's ministry would end, then Jesus' ministry would begin. John the prophet was silent, but Jesus the Messiah is in silence. So Jesus, he did not wait to find out what's going to happen to John. Instead, he began working with the momentum that John had already been arising among the people who had brought people in from the countryside listening to his message. He had brought people in from the city of Jerusalem hearing his message. Jesus takes that momentum and begins proclaiming. Proclaiming the good news of God. The people that were listening to John now attentive and aware and seeking out this one who was going to come after God. The one who was baptized with the Spirit. And so as Jesus began proclaiming and pronouncing and preaching the gospel, or more literally, the good news of God. Jesus had good news for all people. You hear that good news? The time has come. The kingdom has come to you. Your purpose is to be. What this tells us is that the interaction that Jesus had with Satan and the person in the section we didn't read before, that Jesus did not fail during that temptation, for the kingdom is here. The kingdom is coming. Jesus proclaiming his victory over Satan, and that the kingdom of God is here and it is now, and that God is stepping into human history to bring about His purposes in this day and in this age. So sometimes we see the word repent. And perhaps we have a lot of different things in our minds when we hear that word repent. If we walked out of these doors, and maybe we walked up, say, to downtown, and we were walking down, like, Michigan, and I was talking to some people, and we 
start bringing out the word repent. People might have a couple ideas of what's happening. One, they might be like, all right, this person wants to stop sinning and believe in Jesus and feel Maybe that's a, a hope of a good response to a right? But maybe in our minds, other people have experienced the word repent and stop with, oh, they want me to quit sinning and they want me to follow Jesus, but they may be already have a history of image with someone in their mind, someone who uses the word repent and typically maybe even got their Bible and they have. Going out. before you go to hell, right? That's, that's the image that is in my mind of someone using the word repent. Someone using the word repent out of almost anger. Wanting a life change in somebody else, using it to maybe strike fear. When you that way, it would seem like the word repent wouldn't go with the last two words in this passage. Good news. Repent when used to strike fear in the people would not be good Perhaps it would be anxiety for you to Yet when Jesus uses this word repent, he's not talking about someone stopping sinning at the Christian. While Jesus likely hopes for people to encounter life change and to begin to live in different ways, right? There's places in Scripture where he would say, go and sin no more. So perhaps he would like people to to not live in those ways. That was not the primary purpose of the word repent right here and right now. Jesus had a much more significant invitation for them to experience. And that was to experience a change of thinking within their life. An invitation that they were to receive to, to turn away from the social and the political agendas that they had in their minds, which would drive Israel into a war. You see, the, the people, when they heard that the kingdom of the Lord was near, they had something that was in their minds. They had ideas and thoughts and hopes, and many of them understood that when the kingdom of God was going to come, that God was going to come and he was going to bring grace, that he was going to bring judgment. That God was, he was going to come, he was going to overthrow all the rulers of the day, take off the shackles and chains that the Roman Empire had on the people of Israel at that time, and set up this new kingdom of Israel where they're being ruled by God and having no one else over that when this Messiah came, he was going to be the, the great military, political leader who would lead them to a victory over the powers and the principalities of the day. 
in Genesis 12, the king guy named Abraham, who was later changed to Abraham. God called him out of the land of Ur, go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household, go from your position of strength and power, go from what you know to something that is unknown, to a position of research where you are entirely dependent on me. As Abraham left his family, his home, his father's household, so too the disciples that Jesus called to their family, their homeland, their area and strength. And what we find is that it doesn't take them very long to say yes. Really feel like being a, 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 a homeschool teacher. 
most boneheaded idea you've ever had in your life. Of a, a serious 
as we downplay those areas where the Lord truly decided to work on our lives. Uh, David Garland uh, was an author I was reading this week, and uh, he wrote a, uh, a prayer. Uh, well, I'll just read it for you, and you can do it. Benevolent and easygoing Father, you've occasionally been guilty of errors in judgment. You live under disadvantaged physical environment. Sometimes you fail to act in accordance with common sense. But we've done the best we could in the circumstances we've been given. And we're glad to say, Lord, that we're fairly normal. Feel lightly with our infrequent lapses in judgment. It was particularly wider than that. Sometimes that's the way things go on in our mind when you think about the change of thinking. That's not a lot. That's not the time. It's going to one time. Well, I'm not really that bad. I know sometimes what I say it comes out wrong and it hurts people, but I don't really mean it. What we do is we minimize our need to take out a new way of thinking by justifying a position of power, by justifying a selfishness that doesn't want to But Jesus, he, he gives us this invitation, the same invitation that he gave to the disciples. The same invitation he gave to Simon and Andrew, come back. The same invitation he gave to James and John, come follow me at once. He didn't even think about it as a, a power. When Jesus said, repent, they, they chose to leave the familiar, the familiar of the, the way they interacted with other people, the familiar of thinking. The familiar of the way they, they talk to others, the positions of security. And Jesus asks us, leave, leave those things behind you, leave the political agendas, leave the self importance behind, and experience the disease where we don't have to worry about that stuff because you're completely dependent on me. Where you're going to to follow where I want you to go, where you're going to leave your need for importance behind and, and rest underneath Christ, the one who is more important than all. It makes, makes me wonder what then, what then in our lives is teachable? Immediately giving up everything that we hold dear, everything that we're familiar, that we would truly be able to take on Christ's new way of thinking. Christ's new way of thinking that says, when you're weak, then you trust. When you're in a place of powerlessness, you're really empowered 
greatly by the Spirit. Where in our lives do we need to ask people? Where is it that we ask you to give you a new way of thinking so that you can be more effective in the world that you have the Bible? Father, we pray for an opportunity to discuss, an opportunity that you would be the one who saved us, clear the areas in which we're holding something back from you. God wants to, by the power of your spirit, be willing to give up whatever that thing is, that we may Follow you more fully. That we would be able to experience the joy of giving all of ourselves to you to the glory of your kingdom. For your life. To Christ's name. Amen.